before you stick this in your ears. Know this. The content presented in this show is designed for a mature audience with a functioning sense of humor. If you are not an adult, are easily offended, or take life too seriously, this is not the show for you. For everyone else... Hello. I haven't seen you here before. Come with me. We'll go for a ride. who writes too much, who spreads himself too thinly with his words, diluting all the things he has to say, like butter spread too thinly over toast or watered milk in some worn-out hotel. But let me write the things I have to say, and then be silent till I need to speak. Oh Lord, let me not be one of those who writes too little, a decade man between each tale or more, where every word accrues significance and dread replaces joy upon the page. Perfectionists like chasing the horizon. You kept perfection, gave the rest to us. So let me earn the wisdom to move on. But over and above those two mad specters of parsimony and profligacy, Lord, let me be brave, and let me, while I craft my tales, be wise. Let me say true things in a voice that is true, and with the truth in mind, let me write lies. Welcome to the Ninth Story Podcast. Uh, so today I have my good friend Cindy Nespazinski. Did I say it right? Yes, you did. Or, or Loman. Which, which one do you prefer today? One is your pen name and one is your real name. Right. And we're not going to reveal which is which. Oh. <laughs> it's a secret. It's a mystery. It's Don't a buy secret. my books. <laughs> it's a secret. No one needs to know that information. Pretty self-explanatory when you think about it. Why? Because which is easier to remember? Which is easier to pronounce? And what? which one can you spell <laughs> so that you can put it into the web address? Nyspodzinski. <laughs> right? <laughs> no. <laughs> Niespodzinski. Sound like the uh the little guy from Twin Peaks. He's just speaking Polish. That's it. It's all it is. <laughs> the mystery is solved. He's not speaking backwards, he's nope. speaking Polish. It's Polish. That's all it is. So uh, Cindy and I have known each other for a while. We met in a 
writing class. Yeah. We graduated that class. <laughs> Is that what that was? I don't know. We, we The class was over and we left. It was done. It was done. So I guess that's considered a graduation. Yeah. And you're still working on the same story from that class and I'm still working on the same story from that class. Yes. My novel's been sitting in uh, fermenting for several months. Fermenting. Yes, it's it's halfway done and it's been fermenting. I'm hoping that what has happened is while it's been sitting, it has grown the second half <laughs> like a fungus <laughs> down in the basement. It just has grown that second half and I can just go through and edit it and then we'll be good. That would be fantastic. You've actually been actively working on yours, though. Yes, I have. You had to restructure it. Uh, well, I'm in the process of restructuring it, yes. you rebuilding it to be quicker, faster and smarter. That is my hope. Yeah? Yeah. That is the goal. Well, you seem happier with it now. Yes. It makes more sense. I was a little wandery before. Well, that's what first drafts are supposed to be, though, from what I understand. Yeah. It was a lot of wasted time, though, and it's a little frustrating. So how many drafts? You're you're on... You've revised this twice now, haven't you? Well, I've never finished it, but yes. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Good enough. Let's go back and rewrite it. No, I understand what you but you get to a certain point and you're like, it's not working. I'm going to have to go back to the drawing board. Yeah. The first version was from NaNoWriMo, uh, and I won that year. You were the winner. I was a winner, which means that I did the 50,000 words in 30 days. For real? I really did. I really did. And it was on a hard drive that crashed. And that was a sign. (laughs) (laughs) And you've never been able to recover that hard drive. Mm, I could probably recover that hard drive. And I do have pieces of it. And Pieces of the hard drive? Pieces of crap. (laughs) They are pieces of crap. And how did you get those? You just have those recovered. Oh, okay. Yeah. But you remember the story. Yes, I remember the story. So you rewrote it from scratch. It was horrible. And so I started (laughs) over again. Yes. And, and now you're starting over again. Well, I wouldn't say I'm starting over again this time. It's it's stripping things down. <laughs> you repainting. It's yeah, I, I'm down you're remodeling I'm the down room. to the two by fours. <laughs> down to <the> studs. Tore <laughs> yeah. everything out. Down to the studs. Yeah. Rebuild it. This is the third time I've rewritten mine. Mm -hmm. The first time I wrote it, I wrote it in first person. And then I realized that I wanted to know what was going on in other places. So then I did an amalgam of first and third person, which was again, very strange. I I was real excited. I was like, Oh, this is so unique, but it was just books like that though. Hence, it's not unique. (laughs) It was just crappy. I'm not criticizing the uniqueness (laughs) of it. It Unique just means, well, nobody else does this. (laughs) That's what unique is. (laughs) Nobody else has done this before because it doesn't work. And then I did a third draft that is now all in third person. I did my first version in first person as well. I find it harder to write in first person. They say it's easier, but I think it's harder. I didn't like it. Yeah. It is limiting in a lot of ways, but my other issue, I could probably write it mine in first person now because I know my 
my protagonist better. I don't think I fully knew who he was when I wrote it the first time and was writing in his voice. Well, isn't isn't that what one of the things that they say is that you have to sometimes write just for yourself in order to get to know your story and know your characters? Well, yes. And that's why you do all that. Writing, writing is rewriting. And writing all that backstory that you don't end up using. Until, like, it becomes a hugely popular series and then everybody wants your crap. <laughs> I want more. Send me the garbage. Uh, yeah, here's that all the, the stuff. Hope. <laughs> That's right. Here's all the stuff the Beatles cut from their albums because it was complete crap. Someday, someday, I'll release the worst of the ninth story, and it's all the drunken ramblings that Weber and I get into after doing the third episode what? in a row. That never happened. Never. I don't. I, I you. released a little piece of it. I think you're lying. Are you available between now and whenever? Yeah. Okay. Just a little piece of it last episode, <laughs> which you haven't heard yet, but that's because I'm a bad person. <laughs> it's because it's brand new. <laughs> it's exciting and new. Because I'm avoiding my treadmill. <laughs> <laughs> it's the only time you listen is on the treadmill. That's right. Are we going to do musical breaks today? I don't know. Are we? W- we should. I usually do. I know you'll skip them anyway. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to let you pick them. Well, this is your house. That's right. This is, <laughs> you're here in my house. <laughs> Do it my way. No way. <laughs> so in addition to our writing class, at the end of our writing class, I had the bright idea of getting together some of the folks from the class and putting together a little writing group. Yes, you were very proactive. That was very unusual for me at that <laughs> point in my life because I was very quiet and shy and felt very awkward about the whole thing but I saw some you didn't benefit seem like it I act really well I've started to become that character right. over time we saw I mean I saw some benefit to having not only the critique but also the obligation to be bringing something new to the group every week <laughs> eventually that kind of faded didn't it yeah, because we didn't hold each other to it. Right. And it became social time. <laughs> yes. And whenever we did, it became social time for like the first hour and a half. And then by the time we actually got to reading each other's work, everybody had something like, I'm so tired. I want to go home. It's and Wednesday night. I got to work tomorrow, but let's the keep owners reading. were kicking us out. Oh, yeah. I remember that. Yeah. It's like you're at your buddy's house and... Um, Mom comes out in the rollers and <laughs> yes. vacuum cleaner. You don't have to go home, but you can't stay here. <laughs> what do you think? We whittled that group down to a very small core. Well, we I, didn't actually whittle it. It just It happened. whittled itself. Yes. yes. Through attrition. So we started with, what, eight people? Or I more? believe it was eight, maybe nine. And there's four of us now on Correct. a regular basis? Yes. So and what are some... fifth. And that's Correct. So, so we've been a part of a couple of different groups. Yes. You're part of many, many other groups. Many groups. You're, no. You're, you're obsessed with being in groups. No. <laughs> no. Being in groups is hard work. That's what she said. <laughs> I am she. <laughs> that's, what, that's what Cindy said. So we tried a couple of different groups aside from our own to kind of branch yes. out a little bit. And... W- w- what happened? The one group we tried was very large. Yes. And very formal, which it kind of had to be based upon it its did. size. You had to submit 
things like three weeks in advance, I think. Like your, yes. your request three weeks in advance. They they only met monthly, and so uh-huh. and you had to essentially schedule your mm-hmm. time when you were going to submit. You had to schedule well in advance. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They were they were booking the entire year out, and I don't even know how many people were in that group. But there were over thirty, I think. Yes, and new or people kept to. coming in all the time because it was an open group. Yeah, and the biggest problem is if you're working on a large piece, you're not going to get to submit enough of it in a year's time to get any real benefit from that. Right. If I'm working on a novel, I want to have input on more than a chapter a year. Yeah. And that, that for me is what turned me off. It wasn't that there wasn't good input, but there were some people that work in the publishing industry, even in that group, and they gave great input. But you couldn't submit enough to. Yeah, it's not like you could submit a whole book or right. several chapters. Right. Yeah, that's. I mean, there's there's different theories about that. I mean, I know that there have been historically famous writers that got together in groups and would share their work as it progressed. And then you have people like Stephen King that say, "Write with the door closed." Yes. And finish it first, and then have people read it. Yes, and I'm. Tending toward that option now, yeah. personally. You find that I want to have less distracting a finished project, then submit it for critique. Yes, because to work from the beginning with your critique group, and then you're trying to write the end at the same time. What I'm submitting to my critique group, I obviously want to revise. I don't want to give them a first draft. Mm-hmm. And I want to do some revision, even though, yes, that is what a critique group is for, is to help you revise it. But there are things I can do on my own before I give it to the critique group that I don't need the critique group for. So I'm going to do the revisions I can do first and then use the critique group to give me input that I might not have picked up on my own. And to do that revision process somewhere else in your book and be working on the end of your book, I just found way too distracting. Yeah. No, I agree with that. I think that that's part of the problem that I've had. And I think that may be one of the reasons why I've let it sit because I started working on more short stories. I've, I've always struggled with short stories, actually. I find them more difficult to write than a yes. novel. Not that I've ever written a novel either. Well. <laughs> but I've, I mean, the whole process of writing it, I mean, it feels to me like when I'm writing or when I was writing on the novel that it, you had more time. It, you know, I could, yes. I could play more. I could do, I didn't feel a lot of pressure to wrap everything up. You have a lot more liberty yes. with writing a novel than you do with writing a short story. Yeah. Short Each st- version of things, you know, going from a novel, which is, can be very large to a novella, which is smaller, to short story. I mean, you get all the way down to flash fiction, poetry. Mm-hmm. You can take the same story and condense it down to all these different parts, and you just have to be much more concise. Yes. And it's it can be a lot harder to be more concise. That's why I found writing screenplays, because I did try my hand at that. I found writing screenplays to just not be fun. Yeah. <laughs> And I think that's even more concise than even, say, a short story, because you're 
you're leaving room for someone else to have a vision. Yes. And um, fill in a lot of the extras. Right. The the actors that are chosen, the, the visuals that are used, and it's a living thing just like anything else. I mean, just like a book, just like a short story, as you go along, it changes and adapts. Yes. And as you do your second draft, it changes. And I think that's probably true for films as well and for plays. I mean, as you're working through it, you see, oh, this isn't quite working. It worked on the page, but it didn't work whenever I said it out exactly. loud. Exactly. And I learned a little bit of that whenever I was doing some of the short story readings that I wrote for the podcast specifically, that it was okay on the page and it worked, but whenever I went to read it, it didn't quite work. Right. Things don't sound right or the dialogue was wrong or the pacing was wrong for the story. But short stories have always been something I felt like I had to tackle and overcome. Right. So I feel a little better now that I've done a few of them. I'm yeah. trying to do a one a week and hopefully as time permits here within the next few months, uh, I'd like to get back to starting to work through the novel again. Yes. Because it should be done at some point I would before like I kick the bucket. That done. Yeah. You've got a good story, so it needs to be finished. It should be finished. I've just been letting it sit for a while. I mean, the, that's okay too, though. I branched out into some other things. I mean, doing the podcast was something that I've wanted to do for a long time. So we went in that direction as well. It takes a great deal of commitment. And that's something that... That's why more people don't finish their novels. Otherwise, we'd be a... Well, we kind of are awash with stories and novels now because anybody can write a story today and publish next Friday. Right. Which they really shouldn't. Correct. There are even more people who never finish. Mm -hmm. They have a romanticized view of what a novel is and what being a writer is. It's hard work. And they don't think about the fact that you are actually sitting down and writing for hours a day. Yeah. Doing nothing else. You're sitting there in front of a computer or Mm -hmm. with your notebook or whatever, and you're spending hours doing that. It's still work. It's not... It's not some romantic vacation in some snow-covered cabin. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know, people get the romanticized version from movies where Stephen King's characters are usually writers and a lot of other writers write what they know and they put a writer in the story. And this writer's got money and, you know, they got all this freedom because they're a best-selling novelist and they're making tons of money. They got this vacation home and it doesn't work that way for most people. Who really wants to see a movie about somebody working? Exactly. I mean, you're going to be sitting there watching someone write for two hours. Yeah, that's exciting. Yeah, but writing is hard work. I mean, I have a lot of respect for those that do it constantly and consistently and make a career at it, even if it's just paying the bills. Right. You're doing something that you love, and I think that's what success is. I mean, we've had published writers on the show before that have had varying levels of success, but every one of them has said the same thing. Writing is hard work. Yes. And it takes commitment, and it takes making the time for it and if you're serious about it and you want to do it then you find the time for it you make the time for it you steal it from wherever you can yes now for writing uh, groups you you're a member of another one what you pen is it pen writers well it's associated with pen writers i am in pen writers mm-hmm. which is the statewide writers group mm-hmm. but that has 
meetings, other meetings that you can go to. There's a list on, they have it on their website as well as in their newsletter that you get. And I was looking for other writers groups to be a part of, um, just to broaden your horizons and see what else is out there. And, uh, I, (laughs) I am one of those people who I guess wants to really get raked over the coals. I want to hear what's wrong. Mm-hmm. And I didn't feel like I was getting enough of that. Um, and and maybe it's just because we're friends. You know, mm-hmm. we've become very friendly with our original group that we started. Yes. And while I get good input, I don't get that harsh critique that I felt like I should be getting. Well, part of that may be that you're better than you think you are. That could be. Um, so I just, but I guess I kept, <laughs> maybe not, but I kept looking for a harsher critic. Yeah. And so that's why I suggested we go to the other group. And that's mm-hmm. also why I ended up contacting this smaller critique group through pen writers. So what are some of the pros and cons that you found for these other groups? Um, there is harsher critique with that, but so if you can't handle it, it's not for you. That group, but it's what you need. I, yeah. I mean, I agree with you that it's what you need. You need, you definitely need the people that are in your corner supporting you. Yes. Um, you know, like my mom and my <laughs> wife will say everything that I write is fantastic yes. and great. And that's great because they care about me. So they, right. they see the good things in it. But you there's, do need to hear some encouragement. You, right. And you also need someone to, t- to point out to you that is a professional reader and a professional writer and say, these are where your problems are. This is what's not working. And why are you doing this? And did you know you had a continuity error here because this happens here and then later on this happens? Yes. You know, the thing is that I think those that are your supporters kind of, and and, you know, maybe honestly, most readers will probably gloss over those things too. It's different to read critically than it is to read for pleasure. Right. And I think whenever you read for pleasure, you miss some of those things. Definitely. And that's most people. Unless they're glaring. Yeah. Then then you're pulled out of the story and it's never good. But I mean, it's it's the whole thing where if you're the writer of a story, you want the work that you put out to be the best that you possibly can put out. Right. Because you are going to have critical reviews of your work. You are going to have critics reading it, hopefully. Yes. Unless they get to page three and they're like, this is complete garbage. (laughs) I'm done. (laughs) I am done. And in those cases, you probably shouldn't have made it through to a publisher anyway. So you're probably self-published in some fashion. Not anything against self-published authors, because I've given a lot of consideration to what route I'm going to take whenever I do finish the book. So I don't have any problem with self-published writers, but I think that, and I've said it before. But there are too many of them that They don't have anybody else read it, and they don't have it critiqued, and they don't have anybody edit it for them. And those are critical steps. And some, I suspect, are first drafts that they they (laughs) think that they write the best thing the first time they put it down and yeah. then they put it out there for everybody to see and oh, it floods the market doesn't it ignorance is bliss i think what will happen eventually though is that these folks will start to see that nobody is downloading or reading their book maybe <laughs> but what's what's the harm really to put it out there you know it doesn't i just think it dilutes the the market i, I think agree. it makes it harder to find the good stuff because there are some really good self-published authors but i don't think that's going to stop people from putting that out there really? unless unless there is a gateway there 
are always going to be people that are putting that out there. That's probably <laughs> true. But the I other guess you reason, have to look at the titles and the covers. Yeah, yeah, that helps. Yeah. The other reason, though, that I looked for another critique group is <laughs> this. This is a, probably a personal problem of mine. I you just, heard it here first. Folks. I want to lobby for every opinion there is out there because that's the perfectionist in me. Mm-hmm. It's like I'm going to fix everything. And that's just not possible. I know it's not possible, but there's still that part of me that wants to try. The more I want to people try that to see be it. perfect, I'm going to make the perfect book. <laughs> <laughs> so the more people that see it, the, yes, the more the opinions more you get. The more perfect I can make it. <laughs> Unless they completely contradict. What do you do whenever they contradict? Because I'm sure you've seen that before. Well, then I admit that I have a faulty logic going on yes. there. And that there is no such thing as perfect. Because everybody's going to have their own opinion, and I think that's a big part of it. If you like, we have a pretty small group for for our group, but yes. I've always taken it as if at least two of the people in the group feel the same way about something, then it's definitely worth me taking a second right. look at. And that's my general rule as well, and one that I've shared with other people too. If more than one person sees it, then you probably do have a problem. And the exception to that is if one person sees it. And I agree with it because I've kind of been, who was it that we went to see whenever we went to that seminar? What was his name? Was it Doug something? Chuck Sambacino. Oh, Chuck. That's it. Okay. I I don't know why. He does the guide to literary agents for Writer's Digest. Yeah. And one of the things that he said is that he gets part of, I guess, one of his side jobs is he edits for folks for a fee. You can Mm -hmm. send him your work and he'll go through it and he'll tell you what the problems are. And he said... Most of the time when I tell people what the problems are, they're like, oh, yeah, I kind of knew that. <laughs> and, and I think that might, that's what it is sometimes is if I know that there's a problem and I give it to a group and at least one person in the group says, well, you kind of have a problem here. Then I'm like, yeah, OK, I knew that was a problem. But right. You just needed a second opinion to make sure that it really was a problem. Yeah. But sometimes it can be self-deceptive. I mean, yes. there are times whenever I think something is complete crap. Yes. And everybody else is like, this is great. Yes. And it's usually the stuff where it's very personal and I'm revealing something that I don't really want to reveal. And when that happens, I think it's garbage and other people are like, see, I relate to this yes. because I'm being honest. So what else do you see as a good thing that you're getting from the various groups? It is pushing me more. Uh, my Both groups meet every, well, one the one we are in, the mm-hmm. smaller group, meets every other week. And my second group meets first and third Thursdays. So it does push me a little bit more to work. And so what are you taking to your other group? Are you taking your novel? I haven't been taking anything there. No, you just critique. Yes. And the funny thing is, is they they've been pushing me a little bit more about submitting. See, but you are writing. I know you are. Yes. I mean, are are you picking up stuff, too, just by critiquing other people's work you, that helps you? I pick up so much from critiquing other people's work. You not realize only, you're doing the same things? Or? Not only in what I am, when I do the critiques, but it is immensely helpful to hear other people critique the same work you're critiquing. They're seeing the same things or they're or not. different things. Okay. Things that you didn't notice, but uh, then when they say it, you go... Yes, that 
They're right. I didn't even see that. So it's helpful for that too. I've in my other group, one person really pays very close attention to point of view, which tends to be a weakness of mine. Really? Yes. So it's very good for me to hear that in not necessarily my work. I have submitted and I did have a point of view issue at Mm -hmm. one point. But it makes you more aware of it as you're writing. In the other critiques, that comes up. And then I can see, yes, this. it makes me more aware of the point of view. Well, that's and, good. And head hopping, as they call it. Head hopping. <laughs> Bouncing from mind to mind. Yes. Well, we're going to do your favorite thing. We're going to take a quick break. And then whenever we come back, we'll talk about more fun stuff. All right. So stay with us. Hey, folks, friends, and fiends, this is Dave Fairhead. And this is Ms. D. This is Heather Caddy of Kettle Whistle Radio, and you're tuning in to Night Story Podcast. There is no other way. No other way. You know your circus tent is falling in on itself, on itself. You took the money and a net of safety for yourself. about the hobos <laughs> it's just one hobo oh there's not three hobos no just one hobo because one hobo was one too many <laughs> i prefer zero hobos <laughs> ellie definitely prefers zero hobos <laughs> how many hobos would you like three and you zero <laughs> ellie wants zero hobos. none none hobos please <laughs> The answer is none. Well, you might change your mind about how many hobos you want after you hear my story. <laughs> I might want six. <laughs> well, maybe. I collect hobos. I may learn something about you here <laughs> that I didn't want to know. <laughs> you are the finest looking hobo I've ever seen with your bindle sack. <laughs> so, so tell me about the hobos. What did Ollie do to the hobo? Did she serve the hobo a donut? She did. Well, I don't know. Uh... There, there was a hobo that came into her work. I like that you're using the word hobo. I think that went out of style in like the 1920s. All the kids are using hobo. Are they really? Ellie said hobo. That's an angry word. Aren't they uh, the residents challenged? Hobos are technically the homeless people that ride trains. Oh, they're train riding homeless. They're train riding homeless. Get off my train, hobo! (laughs) 
So, I'm sorry. So, tell, tell your hobo story. So, she was slinging coffee at her. <laughs> and donuts. And a hobo comes in, and apparently people felt sorry for him. Customers were buying him gift cards and coffee and food. Wow. Yeah. So, all I have to do is dress like a hobo and stink, and I can get people to buy me <laughs> yes. free shit. And Ellie was a little disgusted by this because the hobo wouldn't leave. <laughs> And I haven't gotten my fill of gift cards, donuts, and coffee yet. <laughs> Keep he, them coming. When he finally left the interior, he was lurking <laughs> at the drive-thru. <laughs> Did he pretend like he was driving a car? Did he come up and I don't know what he was doing, but she said she could see him on the security camera <laughs> lurking by the dumpster. Was he mainlining donuts? Uh, maybe. Getting some jelly in there. <laughs> um, but when someone went into the restroom... The hobo was in there, too? No, but he'd left a gift. <laughs> a gift card? No, no. A big old poopy? He left a poop in the sink. <laughs> is, is, is this toilet free? <laughs> it has a toilet that works. But why would you not prefer to use the toilet in that situation? <laughs> I don't know. I prefer a bidet. <laughs> As you did not have one, I defecated in your sink. And then turned the water on hot and high. He didn't even cover it with sand. (laughs) Or or donuts or whatever. Donuts and gift cards. (laughs) Donuts and gift cards. What better way to hide a poo? I have a poo story for you. Oh. (laughs) Because it's all high class here. I know. Once, once you bring hobos, we tell, we tell poo stories. Well, it's about storytelling. So once you bring up hobos and poo, it, it brings to mind this delightful story from years of yore. Whenever I worked in um, an industry where we sent individuals out to people's homes to sign their loan paperwork, mm-hmm. and one of the notaries that we sent out was having some intestinal. <laughs> Discomfort. That's unfortunate. <laughs> it always is. So during the closing, she excused herself and asked to use the restroom. And she was in there for a little while. She returned and completed the closing. A couple hours later, one of the residents of the home had to use the bathroom. Uh-huh. And as she went in there, she's like, oh, where are my decorative towels? I don't understand. <laughs> no. Did she steal our towels? <laughs> Surely she wouldn't have stolen our towels. Oh, my. And then she looked over, and there, stuck to the wall in the shower, was one of the decorative towels. Stuck to the wall? Yes. What? Or so the story goes. Oh. <laughs> so apparently she cleaned herself up as best she could. And stuck it to the wall. <laughs> because, you know, that's what you do. You're not going to find that. It was behind <laughs> the partially closed shower curtain, where no one would partially see it oh my that is horrible justin apparently had a similar story when he worked at really yes it was in the men's room so maybe it was the hobo (laughs) or 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 this lady that goes out and does loan closings with decorative towels yes it's apparently rampant (laughs) so he had to clean up where was this one was it in the sink as well uh no it was smeared on the wall And the toilet seat is, you know, 
<laughs> We're off the rails here. Aren't you glad you had me come out? I am. It's fantastic. I bring this to a new low. So, who are you? And how did you get in here? Oh, well, I used to do loan closings. Did you really? <laughs> do you have a penchant for decorative towels? Yes. <laughs> They're much it's, softer. It's, and more durable, so you can use them. Yes, it's you. They don't fall apart. We've been looking for you for years. <laughs> this is actually my good friend Cindy, writer, mm. scripty. Once. What is scripty for those who are uninitiated? That is a script supervisor for a film. And that's... that's or television, any script that's being shot. That's better than Clippy. What's Clippy? Clippy's the obnoxious little paperclip that used to pop up oh. and try to, hey, I see you're writing a suicide note. Would you like some help? I'd successfully blocked that out, and thanks a lot for bringing it back. Well, you could change Clippy later to uh, the genius who was Einstein. Then you had the cat that would walk around and tear up your paper. Uh, I know nothing of these things. <laughs> <laughs> and then there was a dog. Oh, you could change I, Clippy. You didn't have to I have Clippy. I disabled that uh, Obviously, from the very beginning. Because <laughs> Clippy was pretty I know, fucking annoying. I knew about Clippy, but I hear scripties are pretty annoying, too, though, sometimes. Yes, we are. Yeah. What does a scripty do exactly? Um, well, we follow the script and make sure that it's being shot according to how the script is written. Mm -hmm. The biggest job, though, is following continuity, making sure that everything fits the way it's supposed to. If there's script changes, you have to make notes. You do copious notes throughout filming. Uh-huh. You do actually assign the numbers for the takes. Oh, yeah? Yeah, numbers and, well, of course it's the scenes, numbers, but then whether it's A or B or camera angles change or anything changes, then you change a letter and you have to make note of that. So it helps make the editing process easier. It makes sure that your film is going to be what they expect it to be and that you get everything that is needed. And what movie did you get to do that for? It is called The Other Side. Yeah? Yeah. It's a local zombie movie written by my brother-in-law and produced by him and his company with my husband. And Yeah? Yeah. Terrific. And how was that? It was grueling. It was grueling? <laughs> I think we're going to say it was groovy. Well, at times it was groovy, but well, I had a crash course in how movies are made. It's a big task to it do is a, a feature task. film, much bigger than you expect it to be when you first start. So there were extra people needed and extra things that needed to be done that weren't quite planned because mm -hmm. the movie business is not glamorous at it's all. It's a lot of hard work. It's 12-hour days or more. But you had a really good group of dedicated people, and they all stepped up. fantastic group of and people. And it was an amazing... I mean, we're not talking about something that somebody shot in their backyard with a, no. a video camera. You had professionals working on it. Yes, we had some people who actually work in the industry here in Pittsburgh. Mm -hmm. um, and then we had some new people, too, that came ready for their task and it was impressive yes and the final product is still being put together yes right? you had uh, kind of like a rough cut that you did right well it's not technically a rough cut anymore you see i don't know all these terms yeah the rough cut is what they slap together initially so that you can get a general idea if mm -hmm. the big pieces are there and what might be needed to and be done what was what we saw last night 
uh, it was a screening. It's okay. an initial screening. So uh, they still make some changes and adjustments at yes. that point based upon yeah. audience reaction and right. kind of once they see how the crowd reacts and how they feel when they watch it as a moviegoer. Yes, because when so far people working with the rough cut and doing things until this point have been very close to the movie, it's hard to distance yourself when right. you've been submerged in it for so long. And it's always good to get people who haven't seen it and even that don't know anything about it. There were varying degrees of that at the screening. Some yeah. people knew what was going on. Some knew nothing about what was going on. But nobody but those from the production company and very close people were seeing it up until last night. So. Okay. So where can people find you? <laughs> that sounds so creepy. <laughs> Where can people find you if they want to find you? <laughs> Sounds creepy as hell. There's, there's this gated area where the dumpsters are. <laughs> you have a website. I do have a website. CynthiaBowman.com? Yes. What do you do with your website? I occasionally write some things there. Yeah? Like what? Various stuff. <laughs> you know I know the answers to all the questions I'm asking, <laughs> I right? Know. <laughs> How am I supposed to answer this? I just don't even know. It's like there's you some wrote about your refrigerator. There's some stuff there. <laughs> you, you wrote this awesome article about your refrigerator. Yes. Actually, it was a really cool article. <laughs> Believe it or not. I get disgusted because I do watch those home improvement shows that I talked about. Yes. That everybody wants stainless steel and granite. <laughs> and I vowed... I would not get stainless steel I appliances. Would never get a stainless steel appliance yeah. until I do. I also said I would never buy another black car. <laughs> After we got our black What's car. What's wrong with the black cars? <laughs> God, God. Stop implying such things. I took a BuzzFeed quiz and it told me I was black. <laughs> Oh, because those quizzes are always true. I know. <laughs> it did tell me I'm a people hater, which is correct, but Maybe what we should do is take a break real quick. That would be fantastic. And we'll listen to some awesome music that you'll skip through. <laughs> I don't have time for that. Yeah. That's why I now make it random lengths of time. It's either forty five seconds or a minute and twenty five or Cindy skips through the music breaks. So I'm on the treadmill when I listen to these podcasts, and yeah. that cuts my time down. Well, you know that because I'm lazy. You, it's enough that I get that on the treadmill. It's supposed to pump you up and no, get you motivated. No. You'd rather listen to me and Weber drone on. Yeah. Yeah. That makes me want to run. <laughs> <laughs> Man, I'm going to break. <laughs> Good to be true. 
you're listening to the Night Story Podcast. So how's Cindy doing, everybody? Cindy was nervous today. Oh. Well, you were. Yeah. Now I'm nervous again. Thanks oh, a lot. Oh, jeez. Hey. Turn that off. I like that girl's voice. Who is that? <laughs> yeah. Why don't you just let her do the show instead? Please. The, 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 the podcast police are coming. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you said please. You pronounce it like those people from uh, Idaho or... Police. Iowa or wherever you're from. The, Nebraska? That's it? I make fun of Nebraska every once in a while for you on the show. Yeah, I know. That's just so you know that, I'm, uh, that I know you're listening. <laughs> Larry the Cable Guy is from Nebraska. Is he really? <laughs> yes. Where the hell did you get that accent from? I don't know. <laughs> He's got like that... Hey y'all! Yeah, we, like, we love him is, so is right? much. I hear he's actually a smart guy. Yeah, it's kind of you know a character that he's playing. He is a character. That's not his name. <laughs> his name's not Larry. Larry. He's, he's really not a cable guy. His name's Dan something. I think Larry T. Cable Guy. <laughs> Larry T. Cable Guy. Yeah, his name's Dan something. I think. Yes. Um, but the only reason I know that is because I should I'm a same. bad Nebraskan. <laughs> well, isn't uh, Dorothy from from Nebraska? Dorothy, yeah, my grandmother. No, <laughs> your grandmother went to the to the to the Wizard of Oz. That's Kansas. Oh, I, they're not the same. <laughs> you guys both grow corn, though, don't you? Uh, maybe. It, and there's like farms out there. What? And trees get hit by lightning. Yes. <laughs> your mom's tree got hit by lightning. Yes, it did. What happened? I don't know. No, lightning you... came down from the sky and struck the tree. You had an interesting story about that because you said the tree got hit and it blew apart and sent shards of wood. Shards of wood went several houses down. Yeah, and in, and in Nebraska, that's like ten or all twelve miles. Houses, all of the houses <laughs> in Nebraska were affected. Every house in the state was affected by yes. that yes. lightning strike. What do you grow on your farm? <laughs> corn? Yes. That's all we do. That corn is delicious! And football players. You grow football players? Yes. <laughs> That's the Cornhusker football team. And then they revolve uh, around that. <laughs> <laughs> well, you gotta have something to do on a Friday night. Friday? Saturday? Yeah. Sunday? <laughs> you don't have a professional team there, do you? Nope. No. Well, you're not. I keep saying from. You're not there from there now. I'm from there originally. Yeah, but you don't live there anymore. I don't. <laughs> I see you. Where, where am I? <laughs> you're in Pittsburgh. What? What is this place? This is real life. Is this forever? Well, there was a tornado here the year I moved here. <laughs> did you bring it with you? <laughs> I did. It was get chasing blamed. you. Many people blamed me for that. <laughs> it chased you like from the Nebraska. First, the first tornado in Pittsburgh, and you just happened to move here. Yeah, well, well, maybe it is your fault. Natural <laughs> disasters follow me. Have you had any more? Any more? Tornadoes <laughs> coming down your street? Well, knocking on your door? This is just like come down the street just... Occasionally. Hello. <laughs> I'm a tornado. I'm looking for Cindy. Here. <laughs> Do you have a tornado cellar in your backyard? 
No. <laughs> no? Oh. It was like the first thing you people from Nebraska do is build a tornado shelter. You dig a tornado <laughs> shelter. As soon as you sit down, as soon as you move in, you're like, well, out to the backyard. Yes. Time to dig for a tornado shelter. Did you have a tornado shelter at your original house where you grew up? We had a basement. Or did you just, just tie yourself to that tree in <laughs> hopes that you'd be safe? Yes. Yes. And so it gets struck by lightning. Wasn't yeah. In Twister or something, they tied themselves to some sort of pipe. I don't know. I blocked You didn't that watch movie. that movie? I did watch that movie, but... It had cows in it that got sucked up. Yeah. I felt sorry for those cows. It wasn't real. <laughs> it wasn't a documentary. What? <laughs> But it no, was on TV. No cows were harmed in the production of that uh, film. Oh my gosh. Um, I'm ruining my life. What are you drinking? Something brown. <laughs> Something brown? <laughs> if it's brown, drink it down. Yeah. <laughs> Not a good rule to live by, generally. <laughs> I don't even know where we are. Which is, I thought which, I was which, in I Nebraska, called... and you told me I'm not. <sighs> I thought, wait a minute. You're from Kansas, right? Yeah. Okay. Omaha, Kansas. <laughs> <laughs> yes. They have lots of hobos out there riding the rail. Yeah. Does the Union Pacific space there? Yeah. They have mm, sinks on those trains. Snakes on trains. <laughs> no. <laughs> That what wouldn't be so... You could jump out. It's <laughs> not like a plane. Be like, well, I'm out. <laughs> oh, me, me. The yeah. train can be going 80 miles an hour. I'm like, screw this. Spider. Snake. <laughs> no, spider I could deal with. <laughs> Our good friend Mike Sierra doesn't like spiders. He'll burn down his house if he finds oh, a spider. God. It's like, ah, that's the best. Uh, scorched earth is the best policy there. <laughs> feels the same way that you do about snakes. Uh, no, I just run. You just run? Yeah. Run away. Flee. Flee. <laughs> Fleas? So what were we talking about before we went to break? That song was so terrific that you're going to skip through when you listen to this episode <laughs> <laughs> that Stop. I can't remember. All your musicians are going to hate me. Oh, they love you. Yeah. You listen to them later after the show's over. I, I've gotten several emails from you saying, hey, that song that I skipped through during your show, <laughs> where can I get a full copy of it? I only skipped through it because you only play a minute, you dick. And that's not enough for me. I want the whole ball of wax. So what are some of the um, routines that you go through now to keep yourself focused? I feel like I'm interviewing you. I know. <laughs> I'm just curious because we don't get to talk about this kind of stuff too often. Yeah, we really haven't talked about that. No. Uh, as First, I, I put on my bathrobe and I put on some Barry Manilow. <laughs> then I go get my pink fluffy slippers and a box of haagen -Dazs. I roll over in bed and grab my notebook and start writing. <laughs> uh, I was very averse to a schedule mm -hmm. which wasn't very smart <laughs> <laughs> when inspiration hits me I will write I do not recommend the waiting for inspiration method of writing you will not get a lot of writing done no you have to kind of make the inspiration happen you have yes. to write until it starts to flow and you will end up doing a lot of things for other people instead because you need to feel like you're doing important things oh you mean if you're not yeah focused on you know if i if inspiration is not striking then if 
you know, my house needs to be cleaned desperately, I will do that and feel like I'm doing something meaningful. Well, if only I, if only my house was clean, I could feel more focused on it's my like, writing. So you have a, do you have a set time every day that you write now? I, I have not necessarily a set time. What I found was my days varied a little bit. Um, I, I have different things that I do. So different and sometimes I have to do meetings and things like that. So I had to have a schedule that was a little bit flexible, but still be able to spend time writing. So while I try to keep it in the same block of time every day, it doesn't always work out. So what I did was I'm going to spend so much time doing this and so much time doing that. But I do spend a certain amount of time each day and I do try to make it start at the same time but if it doesn't then i will shift my day to make sure that it happens of course there are going to be days where things don't work out right do you have a routine yeah i record this stuff and then i cut out all the stuff that doesn't belong (laughs) you know why people are gonna miss mr weber why because he brings some dignity to the show he's a little bit of class (laughs) He wears a sports coat. I don't see any sport coat on you. You're like, I thought girls were supposed to be better than that. <laughs> uh, not on this show. That's why we're friends, because we're down here in the gutter together. That's hanging out with the radioactive raccoons. Zombie raccoons. Zombie raccoons for the apocalypse. Do I have a routine? Um, so, I, yeah, I completely went. See? See? See the tangent there? We just tangented. <laughs> my routine. Yeah, so I write stuff, and then I finish it. I don't finish it. <laughs> no, I, I, um, I try MO. <laughs> no finishing here. I feel like sometimes it's, it's, and then this is me being a baby. I feel so, like sometimes it's tough to, to balance it all because not only do I have a full time job, I have a full time job, but also right. I do some, some freelance copywriting on the side. And then I also do the podcast. And then I also try to write some short stories. And I'm also trying to um, launch the first episode of the next little series that I want to do so that other people can contribute their part. Yes. You you have a lot of balls in the air. <laughs> just cut the in the air part. Uh, you got a lot of balls, pal. <laughs> You know, you got all our balls coming down here <laughs> with your stories, trying to sell this shit to us. We're not going to take kindly to people with their balls. You know I said that on purpose. I know you said that on purpose. <laughs> Alec Baldwin, you know what it takes yeah. to sell real estate? It takes brass balls to sell real estate. You put the coffee down. You think I'm fucking with you? I am not fucking with you. You fat little pig. You know what he said to his daughter? You fat little pig. That wasn't him, was it? I was thought it? it was. I thought he uh, had some really choice words for uh, his daughter. Okay. I know that. I don't uh, remember. Night Rider. Night Rider. That's was, like a theme. I don't remember that. I don't, I don't remember anything. Night Rider was the one that was eating the uh, the Whopper and getting it all for himself. Yes. Um, yes. We the Whopper. Hmm. No. It's gone now. Wait, did you hear that? <laughs> this is one of the... I heard a growly voice. <laughs> Are you sure it was a person and not a ghost? And not a ghost. <laughs> Say goodbye, Cindy. 
Goodbye, Cindy. That never gets old. You've been listening to the Ninth Story Podcast, a Hicks and Fabulous production. I broke it. This is going to be useful. (laughs) You're doing great. Thanks. Uh... (laughs) Don't go in your bathroom. Do I have a hobo in there? Did the hobo come in through the bathroom window? I liked your towels. (laughs) And your sink. I'm going to go outside and hang around. (laughs) Bring me out some gift cards and some donuts and a cup of coffee. And I'll be right back into the bathroom (laughs) to use your sink and your towels. Oh, there's so much of this I can't use. I think it just likes me a lot. It's just trying to get closer. You have a website. I do have a website. Yeah? Yes. Dot com. Nobody wants to see that. <laughs> you know, I've had worse. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs>